Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Well, I think one thing for certain that we can all say is that 2020 has brought a lot of change for all of us. And one of those things that it changed is when the lockdown started in March and people were staying at home more, a lot of us went online a lot more. Uh, work went online, people started working remotely. I know I have been working from home a lot. And in general, just even during my downtime, I was spending a lot more time online. And that's nothing really new. People have been increasing how much time they spend on different media platforms and on social media and social networks for a long time. But this really pushed us even further into that. They say that the number of people in North America in 2005 who were using a social network or had a social media account was about 5%. 5% of adults in North America. Now in 2020, just 15 years later, we're at like over 70%. And this shift has been happening rapidly and across every age demographic. So no matter how old you are, um, you're watching this on a social network. It's on YouTube or on Facebook, both of which are considered social media channels. And they are great tools. They keep us connected. They allow us to be able to feel like we have a bit of a social life in this time of a pandemic where we're all staying at home. But it's also a way that we can just check up on people we don't even really know. In fact, the number one reason that people say that they have a social media account is so that they can keep in contact with people. And sometimes this is people that they actually know and sometimes it's not really. Maybe it's that old ex-girlfriend or boyfriend who you wanna check in on or somebody who you, you went to high school with or an old colleague and you go to their page and just see what they're up to because in the past that wasn't really as possible. You couldn't just, whenever you wanted, go and see if they were married now, or if they had kids, or where they were working, or where they were living, or what, what their life was like. And now we can get a snapshot of what people's lives are like. That's evolved very quickly. Facebook is a great way to get to know about someone. It's a great way to get, like I said, a snapshot into what their life is. You can see a lot of information about people. That is always going to be a substitute. We can see what people are doing and what they like, and we can get information about them, but social media and social networks have never become an adequate replacement for an in-person conversation. That is still the leading, most effective way to get to actually know 
who somebody is. There's something about sitting across from somebody and hearing the way that they speak and seeing the, the facial expressions that they have and just getting a sense of who a person is, not to mention that you can have so much more of a conversation in an hour in person than you can have in an hour of chatting with them online. Just the amount of content of conversation that you're gonna have is gonna be way more in person. So we have these ways we can get to know about people, but still to get to know someone, tried and true method is to be able to sit face to face across from them and just learn about who they are. That's similar to our relationship with God. I've spent a lot of time in my life learning about God. I grew up in a Christian household, so I went to Sunday school, I went to church, I went to youth group, and then I went to Bible college. And through all of that, I learned a lot about God. And I was given time at times to really just sit and get to know God and to experience who God is and to be able to have time dedicated for prayer and worship. But I, I think that it, it would be outweighed by time learning about who God is. And meeting God is, there's a lot of ways that we can do it. But once again, the tried and true method, the, the number one leader in getting to know who God is, is to spend time with him in prayer. I don't think we're going to figure out a way to get to know God that's better than just being in his presence and praying. We don't want to be people who know about God. We want to be people who know God. So today we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Matthew. It's in chapter 17, verse 14 to 20. Matthew 17, verse 14 to 20. This story is also told in the book of Mark, and we're going to reference one line from there, but it's a little bit shorter in the book of Matthew, so we're going to cover it here just for time's sake. And Jesus has just had this experience called the Transfiguration, and he comes down from this mountain. You can read about that by yourself. And he comes down from this mountain that he's had this experience on, and it says a large crowd is waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the water or into the fire. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And in the Gospel of Mark, in the same story, it's recorded that Jesus replied, this kind this kind of demon can be cast out only by prayer. So what is it that Jesus had here that the disciples didn't? 
Because they come to him and they're like, what is going on? Why could we not do that? You said that we would have similar authority to you. Maybe, they, we, maybe they've been walking with him for a few years now and they've actually performed miracles on their own. They have experienced what it's like to cast out a demon or to heal somebody. But this time they weren't able to do it. And they're confused. They're, they're wondering, what is the difference? Like, did we say something wrong? Was our approach wrong? Was, what, where were we in error? And Jesus points simply to the fact that that kind of demon can be cast out only by prayer. They don't have enough faith. And if they had even just the smallest bit of faith that they could move mountains, Jesus was trying to tell them that it wasn't what he said or what he did in that moment. What he's trying to tell them is that there's a difference in the way that he prays. He wasn't able to just walk into that situation and cast a demon out. What he's saying is that there was a whole buildup to this. There's a whole part of this that they didn't see that allowed him to be able to stand up in authority and cast out that demon. There is years and years of building a foundation of prayer and building and weaving into his life a rhythm of prayer so that when he was faced with that demon, he was able to stand in authority and have the power to say, come out of that boy. And the demon listened and left. There's a power in the way that Jesus prayed in that moment. So today we're talking about the power of prayer. We are talking about how to be people who when we pray that there is authority and when we ask God things, we do not stand before him meekly trying to get the words right and trying to figure out what is it that we need to say in order to have God give us our way. God's not apparent that we are trying to manipulate. God is somebody who wants to be in relationship with us. So our first takeaway from this is that God rewards our prayers. God rewards our prayers. Let's be honest, we are often asking God for something when we pray. There's a high percentage of our prayers where we go in and we say, God, would you heal this person? Would you meet this person's need? Would you set this person free from so-and-so? And we are hoping that God will answer our prayer. That's why we pray to him. And I, God likes it when we pray to him, when we, when we bring our requests before him. That's biblical. It's okay to do that. And we hope that God will answer our prayer. And when I say that our first point is that God will reward your prayers, I'm not saying that from now on, now that you're a Christian, every time you pray, you are going to get an answer. You are going to have God meet your need. And your life is going to be better because you're a Christian now. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you pray, there is rewards in store. And they may not be materialistic award, rewards. So what would they be? What will the benefit 
of a life of prayer be? There's a quote from Brother Lawrence, the author of um, The Practice of the Presence of God. He said, there is not in this world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. There is not in this world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Brother Lawrence didn't have a lot of money. He, he led a pretty simple life. And he said, this is the sweetest and most delightful way to live, is just being in the presence of God all the time. The more time that we spend with God, the more time that we will know him and the more time that we will become like him. And then we talked about last week, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, where it talks about when we pray God's will, he will be sure to answer. We don't get to know God's will by knowing about him. We get to know God's will by knowing who God is and by spending time in his presence and getting to know him and listening to him and hearing what his will for our life and the lives of those around us is. Psalm 116 verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. So sometimes you might get that materialistic reward. Sometimes you might pray and you might experience healing. You might experience your needs met. That should be expected when you pray. That is why we pray. If, if we never expected to have our needs met, then there would be, it would be difficult to pray. But we see an example in the Bible from the book of Daniel. Specifically, Daniel chapter 3. And this is a super familiar story. It's, it's one of the first ones that I, I can remember hearing about from the Bible. And it's about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And to catch you up, if you're not familiar with the story, they were exiles from Israel. They were in the nation of Babylon now. They had been taken out of their homeland, and them and their friend Daniel, they were these young, bright, intelligent men who were taken into the king of Babylon, into his palace. And they were being trained up to be in royal service. And in this story, this King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the most powerful man on earth, he builds a statue of himself. And it's this monument to honor his greatness. And he has all the people come and bow before it. When the horns blast, they're all to bow to Nebuchadnezzar and the statue he's built of himself. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who Nebuchadnezzar personally knows, refuse to bow because they still believe in this faith that they have from the nation of Israel. They have not bought into the Babylonian way of life. They're serving the one true God still. And so they're, they're taken away and they are put before a fiery furnace and said, bow to me or I'm going to throw you into this furnace. They're given one more chance 
to turn away from the one true God and to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. And their response, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, where they were surely going to die, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he does not. These are people who knew their God. They knew their heavenly father. And they had such confidence in their relationship with him that they said, we believe we're going to pray and we believe that we are going to be saved from this furnace. But even if we're not, we're not going to regret it for one second. Because we know that this relationship that we have is with the creator of the universe, with a kind and compassionate, gracious and loving God. And there is nothing that you could say or do that will make us turn our backs on that relationship. I know that's, that's where I aspire to have my relationship with God be like. I aspire to be the kind of person, the kind of believer who no matter what comes in my way, that I can have the confidence where I can say, I'm going to pray for an answer here, but even if I don't get it, even if God doesn't come through the way that I hope he does, that's not going to shake my relationship because there is a strong foundation of prayer and relationship that I've built this on. And I believe that my God loves me and he cares for me, that he is compassionate and gracious. And I would know that that kind of life would be more sweet and delightful than any other way of living. Our second point is that prayer changes the spiritual realm. Prayer changes the spiritual realm. And this is tricky. It's tricky to say that our prayers can change God's mind that they can change anything in, in the spirit, in, in the reality of a spirit world. As Christians, we believe that there is a spiritual realm that goes beyond what we can see or what we can understand here on earth. But when we pray, we believe that God is doing something supernaturally that he is putting into motion things that we will never see or understand in this life. But I want to help us to understand this a little bit as best I can. I don't know if you've ever prayed something or wanted to pray something, but thought, I think I'm too late. I think it doesn't matter. Like maybe there's something that you regret. Maybe, maybe there's something that you should have put a lot of effort into. And you're going to see a result from it that you don't think is going to be what you now want. And you go, I could pray for something better here, but I already failed. 
So how can I expect God to make up that difference? What, what's done is done. But a quote from Clifford Longley. He said, God lives in the eternal present. He hears all prayers simultaneously. Therefore, he can appropriate a prayer from next week and attach it to an event a month ago. I don't know about you, but that blew my mind when I read it. Because I had never thought. Obviously, I know that God is all-powerful and he's, he's all-knowing and he is ever-present. But I want to illustrate this to just help us understand, to make sure that we all understand what I'm saying here. What God did when he created the earth is that he is above and beyond everything that we see and know. God as the creator is not part of the creation. He is above the creation. He is greater than what his, he has created. And one of those things that he created is time. And we see time from start to finish. We say that God is the beginning and the end. But what that means is that God is both at the beginning and at the end. He is eternally present in all things. He has removed himself from this barrier of time that we understand. So what Clifford is saying is we can pray something next week and God can answer it from a month ago because God's not bound to this system of time like we are. God is above it all. He is greater than it all. So when we pray, we can have full confidence that when we do so, that God can still answer, even if it feels too late. There is a reality that God lives in that we just, we have to just marvel at. We have to wonder and be in awe of this God that we serve. There are people who are theologians who have, under, who have tried to understand and study the Bible their whole lives because there's never going to be a point where we can just say, I get it. I figured it all out. I'm a master of everything that has to do with God. You could spend your whole life pursuing the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the creator, and you would never figure everything out. His ways are so much greater than our ways. His thoughts are so much greater than our thoughts. But know that when you pray, that there is potential for God to be doing things that we're never going to see or understand and that are happening on a different timeline than what we know. And he may just be answering your prayer. So what do we do with all that? What do we do with a prayer life that we are rewarded through and that God is changing things in. Well, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land.
if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. God has always been one who wants to restore. He has always been one who wants to redeem. And that promise is still true today. That when we repent from our wicked ways, and to repent is just say, I'm going this way, but I'm going this way. This, I'm, I'm living in... I'm, I'm living in, in sin and I'm accepting that there is sin in my life and I'm just turning away from that and I'm walking towards God. I'm focusing on my mind and my life on following and serving after God. If we will be humble and we will pray before God and we will repent, God will hear our prayers. So you, if you are a Christian, know that the more that you seek after God, the more that you are going to get answers to prayer because you are going to understand his will. You are going to pray more in line with what he wants. And there is going to be this power that is unleashed through you as you pray. And I believe that we have people in our church that when they pray that it, it, it's different. Their success rate seems greater. There, and it's, it's years and years of building this relationship with your heavenly father and knowing his will. And praying every day persistently and building that foundation of prayer so that you can actually have power through your prayer life. And if you're not a Christian, if you're new to all this and you barely understand having a prayer life, maybe you're familiar with like meditation and what, how that can benefit you to just be still and to turn things off around you. But know that God can do better than that. God can actually answer prayer. And there is power available to each and every one of us through a life of prayer. There are going to be situations that you walk into and you don't really know what to do. But you pray about it and you're going to see answers. There's going to be people that you pray for and you're going to see people getting healed. if you will just be willing to humble yourself and pray and seek the Lord's face and repent, then God will hear from heaven. He will forgive your sin and he will restore your land. One final quote that I want to leave you with. There's a book I read a couple years ago by a man named E.M. Bounds who wrote an entire series on prayer. But reading it this week and knowing that everything in our church is different now. Everything in every church is different. We're not in person. We're online. And it's going to be different going forward. And we have adapted so much this year. And we've had to rethink and reconsider how we do this and how we reach people with the most important message of all. And this quote says, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. God is looking for better people. God is looking for people who love God. And that quote, it was written well over 100 years ago. 
but it still stands true. I've spent so much time learning about how to do church and what works in church and what methods we need to be bringing into church life, but God is not looking for better methods. He's looking for better people. He's looking for better prayers. He's looking for people who know him more and who want to pursue everything that he has for them. It's like in the story of of David. The prophet Samuel goes out to David's childhood home and he sees all his brothers and he sees these these men who are tall and gifted and look like they would be ready to be a king. But God sees their heart and he knows that there's something special in the relationship that David has with his heavenly father that is going to ultimately lead the nation of Israel in the way that God wants him to. And God still, he doesn't look at outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so if, if you've ever thought that maybe you don't have everything you need, you've thought that you don't have enough gifts or enough resources or the confidence or whatever it may be that you've thought is, is holding you back from doing more things for God, Just know that God is concerned with the heart. God loves a good redemption story. God loves to use an underdog. God loves to find someone who is wholeheartedly seeking after him and use them for his glory and for his good. Because when God's glory and when God's good is portrayed throughout the world, When the kingdom of God is brought down here to earth, things change. And the world looks a little bit more like heaven. And it's my prayer that through this church that people would experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And I hope it's your prayer too. Let us be people who know the power of prayer. Let us be people who know the power of God and who don't pray just looking for something from God, but who pray knowing that there is a reward, not necessarily a material reward, but that there is God forming them, God changing them, and an intimacy with a heavenly father who loves you and who knows you and who wants to do great things through you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are not a far and distant God that we can never speak to, that is surrounded by rules and regulations, but that you are a personal a loving, caring God who deeply loves his children and who wants to know them, who delights in the praises of his people. God, we thank you that the most joyous, 
the most wonderful, the most delightful life that we can live here is one that is lived knowing you and spent in your presence. God, let us be a praying people. Let us be people who follow after you. In your name we pray. Amen.